Well, I want to welcome you guys to the first Sunday of Lent. And um, just kind of make you acquainted here with what we're doing just in the auditorium a little bit. Lent is a season of 40 days preparing our hearts uh, for Easter. Um, When Jesus first began preaching, the first message that Jesus preached, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Lent is one of those seasons that we kind of set aside to recognize where we are and how's it going this way and how's it going this way. How are we doing? Where are we? And around here, we just decided maybe we'll do some things differently. One of them is to put the cross up on the stage. Uh, We've done this regularly over these last uh, several years. It's had a time where we put the cross on the stage. And when we do this, we often say that we hope the cross is in your way. We hope that you guys over here have to look through the cross to see these guys over here. And you guys over here would have to look through the cross to see these guys. And you guys to see these guys and these guys over there. That we in this season would learn how to see one another, how to see others, how to see our neighbors and how to see the nations through the cross. That the cross would get in the way of everything that we see and everything that we think about. The cross would get in the way. The second thing that we did was put together a 40-day journal, uh, devotional. Uh, We've got those out in the lobby if you want to grab one and follow along with us. I read this this morning. Uh, There's just a short devotional. Sometimes there's a song, there's a piece of art or something like that just to give you the opportunity to reflect. And there's usually a couple questions and a prayer. On Wednesday nights during Lent, we'll be over at Red Rock. If you're looking for a place to connect, if you want to take another step in community around here. This might be an easy step for you just to come on over to Red Rock on Wednesday nights, bring your Lenten devotional, and we'll just, we'll just talk about it together. So, The third thing that we've done, uh, some of you might be able to see that up here, we just have, we just have a couple of chairs up here, and we decided that we just have a, a makeshift altar. If at any time during this season you want to come to the altar... Some of you might be familiar with altar and your tradition. If you're not, it's just a dedicated space to come and pray. You can pray at the altar of your heart at any time. But during the season, um, have this altar here and want to just invite you to, to pray there in that space if you'd like to. A few weeks ago, I was in uh, California at one of my buddies' church, my buddy Rob. He's been here before, and um, he's led here before, but it was the first time for me to be at his church, and he was telling me a little bit about his church, and I was catching him up on kind of where we are and who we are as a church, and he said, here's what I want to know. If I hang out at your church, will I meet people who are actually like Jesus? All right, tell the person sitting next to you, if your friend asked you, If I hang out at your church, will I meet people actually like Jesus? Go ahead. Tell the person sitting next to you, what would you you say? What would your answer be? (laughs) Yes, if you sit next to Sonny and Becky, your answer is yes. Yes, absolutely. I said to my buddy Rob, not only will you meet people who are actually like Jesus, but you'll meet people who live like Jesus and love like Jesus. These next weeks, that's going to be our theme. Today, this Lenten series, we kick it off to live and love like Jesus. And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks going through Matthew's gospel, looking at the way that Jesus lives and looking at the way that Jesus loves as apprentices, 
as disciples of Jesus, we get the opportunity to learn how to live and love like our master, our savior, our teacher, Jesus. To love people in the neighborhood and to love the nations really is our highest calling. So each week we're gonna focus on one characteristic of Jesus. Now, I don't know what you think about, I don't know what pops into your head when you think about Jesus, like what comes to mind when you think about him. Um, as I read through the gospels and as I listen to Jesus engage people and listen to the way he prays and listen to the way he welcomes people, the outsider and children even, if there's one characteristic that speaks powerfully to me, it's his tenderness. And I wanna talk about that this morning. I wanna talk about his tenderness. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter eight, verses one through four. Matthew eight, one through four. Matthew's gospel is not totally chronological. The first uh, seven chapters are chronological. This first part of chapter eight is chronological. But then it just kind of becomes thematic. The rest of Matthew's gospel is just tied together in themes. And in Matthew eight and in Matthew nine, the higher theme here, the one that you can kind of picture or, or, or pull out is this theme of healing. There's 10 accounts of Jesus healing people in these two chapters. His ministry, his healing ministry, is really just to back up the fact that he is the Messiah. That's probably the biggest thing. It's to show that he is the fulfillment of the prophecy. That's, that's probably the biggest deal here. But it's also to show his power. It's also to show his authority. But I'm really drawn to what happens as Jesus speaks to these people. I'm really drawn to his tenderness. He just loves people. He heals people, yes, these 10 uh, pictures of healing, these 10 accounts of healing. He's healing people, yes, but the healing is really an expression of his love. And we'll just look at one of those 10 accounts today. I wanna back up just real quick and then we'll get, just to give, make sure you have a little bit of context before we jump in. So first couple of chapters in Matthew's gospel. The first is his lineage, you know, Jesus's family tree, if you will, the second chapters about Jesus being born, and then John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist. And in Matthew chapter 4, we hear Jesus beginning his ministry. As I said just a moment ago, Jesus gave his first um, sermon, Matthew 4, verse 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. For those of you that were here on Wednesday night, you heard us during our Ash Wednesday gathering, you heard us talk a little bit about this being the heart cry of the Lenten season, to repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And this season of Lent is kind of just reminds us about the undefinable love of God expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. So Matthew 4, Jesus is calling people to repent. Then in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus gives us what we call the Sermon on the Mount, the longest sermon, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the longest sermon that Jesus preaches, the most incredible sermon ever preached. And in this sermon, Jesus is teaching kingdom people, uh, the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus is teaching kingdom people how to live and kingdom people how to love, how, how kingdom people are gonna deal with betrayal, how kingdom people deal with anger, how kingdom people pray, how kingdom people care. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is all about how kingdom people live in love. And then Matthew chapter eight, that's where we're starting here today. Verses one down through verse four. Chapter eight, verse one says this, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, so I'm on the mount, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, 
large crowds followed him. So after Jesus preached this amazing sermon and it was over, people were like, man, this sermon can't be over. Like I gotta keep going with this guy. I gotta be with him. This is one experience that I have never had. That when a sermon is over, that people have said, I just got to get more of that. Like, I don't know that I've ever had that happen to me, but this is happening to Jesus. He preaches this sermon and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm following him. I'm going with him. Whatever that guy's talking about, I want to learn more about it. And so this whole crowd follows him down the mountainside. And then verse two, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him. And said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Text doesn't say where this man came from. Not exactly sure. He may have been in the crowd, but most likely not. Uh, while leprosy is not a big deal in our day, like we have medicines, the technologies in our day that can really take care of, of, of a disease like leprosy. Back in Jesus' day, leprosy was a really big deal. And in a historical context... Leprosy was a disease that was so insidious and progressive that if a spot showed up on your skin, that it was likely then to move towards your periphery nerves. It's likely to move down toward your fingers or down toward your toes. And if leprosy got so bad, it could get to the point where you wouldn't be able to feel or you wouldn't be able to walk. And the only way that leprosy, best they could tell in those days, the only way that leprosy would be spread was through touch. So no one wanted to be near a leper. In fact, lepers, if they came in, like in this scene, if a leper came in like this guy, he would have to yell, unclean, unclean. He'd have to put his hand over his mouth and yell, unclean, unclean, so that everybody would move away. He was ceremonially unclean. And if he touched someone else, then they too would be ceremonially unclean. And they would have a high likelihood of being infected with this disease. So this disease, like, obviously just would keep people away from a, a, a leper. In this particular case, not sure where this guy came from, but this guy knew enough about Jesus to know that he has a reputation to heal. And now he's standing in front of Jesus. Jesus, uh, everybody's watching. Jesus is standing there. This guy knows Jesus has the power to heal him, but he's not sure that Jesus actually wants to heal him. And he kneels down. You might have caught that one here in this verse. He kneels down and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. In this posture of worship, he's bending over. He's kneeling before Jesus. In verse three, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Let's just stay here for a minute, just real quick. Uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just stay here for a second. Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. Can you imagine? Bible doesn't say how long this guy has had leprosy. It doesn't say if it's just a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years. It doesn't really say how long he's had it. But think about this. When was the last time that this guy was hugged? Or kissed? When was the last time he was touched? He was greeted. Maybe even just had his handshake. Or maybe he's a new granddad and has yet to hold his granddaughter. Uh, some years ago, um, my daughter Adele and I were in Africa a bunch of years ago. We were leading some meetings and we were traveling through these little villages. And 
we were just kind of giving little talks uh, from place to place and people would come and we'd pray with them and they would pray for us. It was a really, really beautiful place, really beautiful time. And there towards the end of our trip, we were in this little village and uh, some kids came up, some little kids came up and they were like running around us and they were kind of tugging at our clothes to get us to come with them. And our host was like, hold on, hold on. And come to find out that there was a man who had leprosy and he was in this hut and these kids wanted us to come and pray for this person in, in this hut. So we're, you know, our host is saying, no, that you can just pray from here. Our, your prayers will work from here. We don't have to, we don't have to go. And we said, well, we'll we go if, you, if that's okay. And our, our host said, well, I mean, if you want to, you can go. We said, yeah, like, we'll go. And so uh, we were kind of just walking and talking. And some of you know Adele. And she's like, well, what do you think, Dad? And I was like, well, we just, let's just see what happens. And so it's kind of a long walk. She just starts singing. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns. And we're singing together as we're walking. You know, we're just praying as we're talking. It's kind of fun. We got to this hut and our, our host said, okay, we'll stop right here. You just stop here and we'll pray from here. We'll just, you can just pray here and it'll reach inside. These little kids are like, uh-uh. These kids are like tugging on our clothes. They're like, we're going inside. And I said, hey, is it okay? And he said, don't, you can't go in there. He has leprosy. And I said, I know it's, it's okay. It's okay. So we go in, finally go in. And this guy's laying on a mat and we just kneel down and I grab his hand and Adele kind of sits towards at his feet and we're just, I'm rubbing his hand and Adele starts rubbing his feet and she starts singing, our God, this guy doesn't know what we're singing about. We're singing in English. He knows, you know, Swahili. And I just started to pray. And after a little bit, this guy starts to cry. And our host is like, he's being healed. He's being healed. And I was like, wow, that would be amazing. And we just, just kept praying. And then we said, amen. And we got up. I didn't, you know. And our host uh, stayed in the hut just for a few minutes after we we're standing outside goofing around with the kids. And um, he came out and our host told us why he was crying. And we were hoping that he was healed, you know. So we said, what, what? He said he was crying because he hasn't been touched in a really long time. He's crying because he hasn't been touched. I mean, it's one thing to be healed. It's another thing to be touched. I had no idea. All we could do is sing, our God is an awesome God. When this guy comes to Jesus, the first thing Jesus does is reaches out his hand and touches him. I am willing, he says. Be clean. Be clean. When Jesus touches this guy, he's now defiled. Now Jesus has touched this guy. He's become ceremonially unclean, according to Leviticus chapter 5, verse 3. But at the same time, when Jesus touches this guy, his sickness is exchanged for Jesus' health. It's got to be a bit of foreshadowing, right? It's got to be a bit of a picture of what happens on the cross. It's the same thing that Jesus does for you and me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. He doesn't like give him a quiz. Hey, if you get these three questions right, can you imagine what this guy must be feeling? Be clean. He's totally clean, totally cleansed. His body is restored to full health, just like that. 
We often get the chance around here uh, to pray over people. In fact, we did it this morning. Our elders gathered in an office back there. We prayed over a guy who was dealing with cancer. We anointed him with oil. His family came. It was this beautiful thing. We had a beautiful time together. We prayed that he'd be restored to full health. It's such an honor to be able to pray with people like that. It was amazing. But as we were sitting in there, I kept thinking like, I wonder how many people are sitting in here that don't raise their hand that say, you know what, I'm sick too. But it's not cancer. It's addiction. I'm sick too. It's I just broken relationship. I'm so lonely. Or people that come in here all the time that just, I'm, I'm emotionally sick or I'm soul sick and maybe never raise their hand for others to gather around them to pray. Uh, my, pastor, my pastor friend that I was telling you about does this recovery ministry at their church. And he said, every single person who walks through our doors comes in barricaded behind a wall of shame and disgrace. And the only thing that can scale that wall is the tender heart of God. I was thinking about how many people come in here Sunday after Sunday or listen online or watch barricaded by hiding behind a wall of shame and disgrace. And the only thing that can get past that is the tender heart of God. Tenderness sees this man. Jesus doesn't see a leper. Jesus sees a man who is sick. Jesus sees his beloved Tenderness, Jesus hears this man. Jesus hears the cry of his heart. Tenderness, Jesus touches this man. He doesn't just heal him. He blesses him because Jesus loves this man. Tenderness, it's said to be the connective tissue of love and without it, it's not transformational, if you will. One other thing about tenderness, tenderness doesn't wait for tomorrow. Tenderness is now, always now. It's always here, always now. I bet there were some people in that crowd that day that witnessed this whole thing that were saying, Jesus, why are you wasting your time on this guy? Like, what are you doing with this guy? There's plenty of people here. Why are you spending time with this guy? This guy is the leper. He's too far gone. This is a waste of time. Prophecy of Isaiah chapter 40, verses one and two. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak Tenderly to Jerusalem. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is just speaking comfort. He's just speaking tenderly to this guy. Jeremiah chapter 33, I love this. Verse 10 and 11. To those people who are saying, you know, what are you doing with this guy? Why are you wasting your time? This is what the Lord says. You say about that place, it's a desolate waste without people or animals. Yet in the town of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are deserted, inhabited by neither people nor animals, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. That's what's happening here. This desolate guy, this guy who's been cast out, this guy who's on the margins, this guy who's been deserted is now praising God, is now giving thanks to the Lord Almighty for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. All because Jesus saw him, heard him, touched him because Jesus loved him. Let me pause here for just a sec, go a little bit of a different direction and come back. 
Any of you guys uh, watching the Super Bowl and saw this ad about Jesus and it said, uh, he gets us? Did anybody, any of you guys see this? Jesus made space for everyone. He gets us. Uh, we were watching the Super Bowl. We saw this ad. We were like, whoa, what is going on here? And I'm not here to say anything political. I guess there's some stuff. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm not, so don't worry about, I'm not, just he gets us. I was thinking about this and started to learn, try to learn a little about like, where did this come from and who's doing this. And one of the things that I read was saying that in our culture that Jesus has an image problem and this may be one way in which younger people can see Jesus for who he is. And I just thought that's the craziest, like that's the craziest thing I've, that I've ever heard. Jesus doesn't have an image problem. I don't know. Do you think Jesus has? I don't think Jesus has an image problem. I mean, even in the whole world, like people respect Jesus. Jesus is not the one who has an image problem. Uh, Jesus, uh, every religion, every other religion respects Jesus. Jesus is not the one with the image problem. It's his church that has an image problem. It's his people that have an image problem. And I don't know if you're going to get this, but so stay with me. Back in the 70s, 1970s and 1980s, there was this sort of parenting rule that became popular in our church that was called tough love. Anybody remember tough love? Anybody ever heard of tough love? The idea is that, you know, you say no and until you earn it back or, you know, until you re-earn trust or until you pay it back, it was called tough love. I don't know. I don't know, you guys. Can I just say that's opposite of the gospel? The gospel that I read, it's opposite of the gospel Tough love is opposite of tender love. Let me put it that way. Tough love is the opposite of tender love. Maybe the church has an image problem because we've been practicing tough love on the world. Maybe we have an image problem because we've been holding our arms crossed and saying, well, we're just waiting for you guys to get your act together and then you'll be welcomed here. Instead of us, the church, taking on our identity and who he's called us and created us to be to go out and hear and see and touch and love the lost and lonely and broken and leprous. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Tenderness, to see a person, to see a child of God, to hear a heart, to really listen. And instead of saying, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I already have enough on my plate. To restore dignity to the despised to heal and hold and to bless the desolate, the lonely, the outcast. Let me ask you just a couple questions and then we'll jump into verse four. Who in your life is desperate for you to see them? To really see them? Who is crying out for your time and attention? And what might it look like for you to take the initiative to touch or hold or to put your hands on someone's shoulders and bless them? Then Jesus said to the man, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus says, don't tell anyone about this. I love that. There's lots of reasons why Jesus might have said this. There's, it doesn't tell us why, so I don't know why. Got lots of ideas, but maybe he's already got a lot of people following him. Or maybe it's just something he wants to keep between. He, it, it doesn't really say. But what is clear 
is the second part of this verse. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. This is a really important aspect of this story. In Leviticus chapter 14, if you want some really cool reading this afternoon, read Leviticus chapter 14. It's got all of these ways in which you can cleanse yourself after, uh, after uh, being unclean. And one of the ways that it talks about is that if you have leprosy and are clean, then this is the way in which you can offer a sacrifice back to God. It's got these two birds and kill one over the running water, crazy stuff. But it's really, really cool. And Jesus says to this guy, go do this in front of the priest. Go offer this sacrifice that's noted in Luke chapter, uh, Leviticus chapter 14 and, and tell him what happened. It's a beautiful thing. Really important part of this story. Well, we assume that that's what's happened, that this guy goes away and we don't know much about him past that. Let me close here. Let me just read a little illustration and then um, give you one encouragement before I close. As I was putting this message together, I've read this story that happened in the mid 1800s in the kingdom of Hawaii, a government sanctioned medical quarantine on the island of Molokai. This quarantine uh, was for people who had leprosy. People suffering for leprosy were shipped off to this island so that they wouldn't infect anyone else. Um, they were the neglected and now they were to be avoided. Right? It'd be deadly to touch these guys so the voices spoke so loudly, don't get too close, don't risk contact. It was easier that way, right? The problem then, uh, so overwhelming and heartbreaking that it was just easier to ignore it. You know, to hide the problem away. Let's just, let's just take them over here. We'll maintain our silence, feel better about ourselves. We could say, oh, I don't understand, I don't understand. Give ourselves a pass. But as this leper colony is being set up, there's this Catholic priest named Father Damien whose heart was moved for these people. So much so that he moved onto the village, he moved onto the island of Molokai and he began to serve these people who were quarantined, these people who had leprosy. And for 16 years, he lived there. He lived in their midst. He learned to speak their language. He bandaged their wounds. He embraced their bodies that no one else would touch. He preached to their hearts those that otherwise would have been left alone. He organized schools and bands and choirs. He built homes so these people could have a shelter. He built 2,000 coffins so that when this person died, they would die and be buried with dignity. Slowly, it was said that this little village became a place to live rather than a place to die. Father Damien offered hope. He wasn't real careful about keeping his distance. He didn't allow anything to separate himself from his people. He dipped his fingers in the poi bowl. He ate, he shared his pipe. He didn't always wash his hands after bandaging open sores. He got close and for this, the people loved him. And then one day he stood up to give his sermon and he started it this way. We lepers, we lepers, He wasn't just helping them. Now he was one of them. And from this day forward, he wasn't just on their island. He was in their skin. First, he had chosen to live as they lived. Now he would die as they died. Now they were in it together. One day, God sent his son onto the earth. And Jesus stood up and he said, 
we lepers. Jesus now is one of us. Jesus now is in our skin. Jesus now lives with us. The incarnation was necessary so that God's love could become tender. If you're here this morning and you feel unseen or unknown, or it's been a long time since you felt heard or been held, or if you're desirous to know the tender love of Jesus, I want to introduce you to some folks around here that live and love like Jesus. Most likely, they're sitting right next to you. Most of the people around here who live and love like Jesus, they're unseen, they're unknown. Jesus just shows up in their life in classrooms and boardrooms and kitchens and hospitals and palaces and banks and waffle houses and even in curious places like the church. So I just want to give you the invitation to reflect for just a moment. You feel seen and known and heard and when was the last time that you were held? Or maybe you're thinking, I don't know that Jesus sees me. I don't know that he hears me. I think he does. I don't know. I don't know how this all works. Could I just give you the invitation that in this moment you might just say, hey, Jesus, do you see me? Hey, Jesus, do you hear me? Are you, are you healing me, Jesus? And if you're not getting any answer, maybe you just say to the person sitting next to you, I don't know what to do here. This isn't, I'm not, I don't know how this works. This isn't. And then maybe together you have the opportunity to sit and talk and pray with each other and for each other. So just, I'll give you just a moment of silence and then Sonny will lead us, continue to lead us in worship. And I invite you to pray or to be prayed for. I would invite you to come to this little makeshift altar if you'd like to or to take communion. There'll be some folks at the stairs. They'd be there to pray with you or for you. So in these next couple of moments, just want to invite you to respond as Jesus leads. Let's pray together.